0: Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, George Plaster of Nashville Sports Radio. We thank our presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event That will wow your team or your clients. Thank you also to our presenting co sponsor, The Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Our news brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car motorcycle and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt University announced a $30 million revenue shortfall for this budget year that university-wide. George and I will discuss the ramifications for that in today's show. Our guest line presented by Bowl and Branch started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got Bowl and Branch sheets. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get these sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlingbranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. George Plaster joins us now. George, we appreciate you being with us. How are you holding up as the quarantine just seems to drag on forever at this
1: point? You know, I probably need some psychiatric help, but uh, other than that, I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> How's your golf game? Uh, it's gotten a little bit better, but in fairness, that doesn't really mean much because it only it only had one way to go, and that was up.
0: You know, it's funny. I was walking around the block yesterday, and there were some, I guess, high school or college kids out in a little field in our subdivision, and they were playing some kind of, some form of two-on-two baseball with a modified bat and a, you know, wiffle balls or something, and I just stopped for two or three minutes just to watch them, I guess just because that's how much we miss live sports right now.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Listen, I, my suspicion is that last night's uh, Chicago Bulls documentary will pull a monster number just simply by default that there's nothing else out there. People are starving for anything remotely close to sports. And uh, I, I'll be interested to see when they release the number, what kind of number it got.
0: We were channel flipping yesterday. And my son had the controls. I'm not much of a racing guy, but he likes anything that remotely resembles sports. So right. he stops, and there's an auto race going on. And it took me several minutes to realize it was like a live virtual event. The graphics and the details were so realistic. Yeah, and I think the guy that won it was like a guy that was you know, driving from his living room or whatever, but I think he'd actually become a real life NASCAR racer <laughs> through his electronic training. Uh, sounded like when they had a conversation with him, but it was crazy. That's, that's where we are.
1: I'm absolutely amazed at the technology that they've been able to use in these virtual races. I, I'm not a big racing fan. Uh, I don't know a ton, but, uh, I'm amazed at what they have pulled off technologically. Um, you know, you, you do wonder what this whole pandemic would have been like 10, 15 years ago before email and zoom and iPhones and all of that kind of stuff. It would be not that this has been any piece of cake, but it'd be considerably worse.
0: Uh, Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is. It is crazy. If you do this in another time, I wonder how differently we would have responded. I mean, I get the sense that people are going a little bit crazy anyway. I mean, for instance, I'm actually probably as relaxed as I felt in 20 years because my life has just been one whirlwind after another in that time period. You know, when I started the site, I was still working a full-time job. So there were several years of that and There's freelance jobs to help me out doing this full-time now, and so this is the first time in a long time that I've had a chance just to slow down to a level that I haven't in a couple of decades, and I was thinking, I guess yesterday, since we started the whole thing right before everything got shut down, we went on the vacation we had scheduled, I think I have really been in the same house with my family for six weeks straight And the only exception has been when I've gone out to the grocery store for maybe an hour at the most. That's been it.
2: Good for you.
1: Um, You know, I'm sure we're all the same way right now where we love the houses that we live in, but dadgum, we're sick of looking at them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just getting out in the fresh air and walking around is a real treat right now. To me, and I think a lot of people feel that way. But oh yeah, let's go into Vanderbilt sports. There's not been a lot to discuss for several weeks, but there's a little bit of an item now to talk about, and that is the thirty million dollar budget shortfall that Vice Chancellor, or excuse me, interim Chancellor Susan Wente announced in a memo on Friday that is on the Vanderbilt website. And it talked about how it will affect everything. It didn't give a lot of details, but it said there will be budget cuts and salary freezes, and they are now evaluating capital projects too. And as somebody said to me Friday, we're all kind of in the second inning over here. In in other words, they're still dealing with the ramifications and trying to figure out what comes next. But this thing, okay, no news, I guess, but now we see it, in black and white, how much has it affected things so far over there? It's had a pretty massive impact.
1: Yeah, look, I, I'm not surprised by um, what's gotten put out there. First of all, um, I think through no fault of, of Vanderbilt's, because uh, they certainly didn't cause this pandemic, but this has given them the built-in excuse to say, look, We're not going to be doing any of this stadium stuff in a time of this kind of economic uncertainty. You know, they're going to likely say, you know, it's not real high up on the priority list. Um, I think one of the things, because it comes out in the press release, one of the things that's going to happen is that they're going to really have to rethink. Uh, the the level of financial aid that they give uh, just to to normal students. Because all of a sudden, you know, that sticker price that they have, while it may have been okay before this, in the pandemic and post-pandemic world, I don't know what the percentage of people that maybe could have done it Beforehand is compared to what it'll be afterwards, but it's not the same. You know, I would guess 20% of your potential enrollees are having to look up and say, I I can't do this, or their families are having to say that. So that's the first thing that a lot of Board of Trusts around the country are going to have to say is, okay, how much do we have to beef up uh, financial aid? just to get the same kind of student enrollment that we had pre-pandemic. A lot of P's there.
0: Yeah, and Susan Wente actually addressed that in the memo, made it very clear that there will be a continuing forward aspect of this. Is, you know She didn't say it, but obviously people have lost jobs, taken pay cuts, those sorts of things. So this thing already is... I think taking a toll, I mean, you've already seen it in baseball with where that's headed. It's going to, even if you open everything up today, I think that there are already some consequences in there that'll have some ramifications for years to come. It's just now it's going to be, how long does this go on? Because it's only going to multiply from there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, as we all know, there's this huge struggle going on right now. Um, between the desire to get the economy moving, and yet at the same time, not have the six weeks that we have sat around go in vain in an attempt to to flatten the curve. and it it's you know the economic impact of what is going on right now is going to be felt for a long time. And I think you're going to see a lot of schools uh, athletically, Cool it for a while on stadium expansions and, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And, you know, a lot of them are just going to sort of say, well, if that's what Alabama wants to do, then fine. But there's a point in here where we can't go any farther. And I think you're going to see the athletic arms race cool it a little bit, which is probably a good thing. Here's the other thing that I think, um, it is likely to happen. University of Cincinnati last week was kind of the first one out of the gate and announced that they're doing away with their soccer program. I look for a lot of schools to be doing this kind of thing. First of all, I think they're
2: going to go with
1: requirement of it because we can't afford it. You know, I think other than the power fives, a lot of these schools aren't going to be able to afford this stuff. And then I wonder what happens with Title IX, because what is what is going on right now and what has been going on for a long time is that football and in some small percentage, basketball have been funding at a lot of schools, 18 to 20 other sports. Think about that. I mean, that's crazy. And it's a miracle that it's been able to happen, but it's happened because college football is so popular and the TV contracts have gotten so big. Well, now I think we're about to get to a point where even that can't do it.
0: Yeah, everybody is waiting on football. That's it. That's going to dictate everything that comes next.
1: And I think you're going to see Uh, just how insane the need is for college football as far as what kind of things get put on the table. Uh, I absolutely believe that there's a real shot that college football this year is a February, March, April kind of deal. Uh, Because I think they're going to say this is the only shot we've got to keep the revenue anywhere near where they need it to be. Um, I don't, you know, starting it in September, uh, you know, the the way a normal season would go, I don't think is going to happen. And I also don't think a lot of the schools are going to have their kids back. And that appears to be the message that a lot of the sports, the college sports people, uh, sent to Mike Pence in a meeting last week was if there aren't any students, On campus, if it's not safe for them, then why is it safe for the players? So, you know, I now have come to the conclusion that the most likely scenario in college football is that February, March, April. And then the question is, what, what does that mean for college basketball? Does that just mean that they tell college basketball to go, you know, go stuff it? Um, Is it a deal where college football this year is nothing but daytime activity with college basketball at night? I I don't know. And and I'm pretty sure not only do I not know, but I'm pretty sure the powers that be right now don't know either. There are
0: so many avenues we can go down off that. The first one (laughs) is... Okay, what is the feasibility of college football? In other words, could you play a full season in an empty stadium? I mean, is first of all, is, is that feasible? Second of all, then you look at the ramifications of that, and the schools have got to be saying, okay, well, even if we could do it, do we want to do it? Because attendance is going to be affected. We might have more in the spring. and So then you look at it and you say, well, okay, if people are – going to go to football games in spring because that's when they're played. How does that affect attendance for baseball and basketball and those other things? How much revenue do you cannibalize off that? The other thing that I think is interesting is even if you do open the whole thing up, say at the start of next season, and this isn't a prediction. This is just a what if in the scheme of thinking through things. Let's say you open the season as expected. And you say, "Hey, we're going to open this for full crowds, and everybody come on in." I think you'll have a lot of people who just don't come, even if they are allowed to come.
1: Yeah, the, the Seton Hall, and this has started to to get a little bit more attention. Seton Hall uh, did a study uh, that they released about ten days ago, and in the study, seventy-two percent of people that got surveyed. Um, said that they didn't feel comfortable going back into, you know, a stadium with large crowds, arenas with large crowds, that kind of thing. And then they broke it down to when they surveyed just what were sort of hardcore, pretty big sports fans, the number was still over 60%. So that's a, that's a scenario that's got everybody kind of going, Hmm. Hadn't thought about that. Uh, And to be honest, for a Predator fan, you're darn right I'd like to get back in that arena for playoff games, whether it's June, July, whatever, if the case may be. But from a health standpoint, how do I feel about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mess. Uh, Here's the other thing that that kind of needs to be touched on. Okay, in in the plan of moving college football to spring, when you say spring, February isn't spring. And, you know, I'm hard-pressed to believe that there won't be some massive snow games, bad weather games uh up in the uh you know, up in the north and Big 10 territory. I think you're going to get a lot of that and uh you know I don't think it's going to be quite like it has been you know when you go September through the end of November you might get one or two games in November that are bad but when you're trying to go up in late January or February it's hardly spring now it may be quote spring semester but it's not spring
0: I think I figured it out. You move the Big Ten to Arizona, and you move the American <laughs> to Florida for the
1: season. Well, you know what? Commissioner, you've done a great job. That's what we're paying you the big bucks for.
0: Oh, you bet. I'm I'm right on point with that. Well, here's yeah. another thing, okay? Let's say that you move college football to starting January the 10th or whatever the start date is which by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> think of the ramifications for the bowls now too. Um oh, that God. that's that's a whole other thing that I hadn't even thought about until just now. But okay, what do you do with college basketball because that usually starts what the first second week of November? So Yeah, it
1: I mean, what do it, do what you it feels like is that yeah. college basketball is going to get screwed?
0: Well, I think almost what you have to do is have these double headers or whatever and make a big thing of it. You know, hey, come for the yeah. football game, stay for the basketball game. Uh, we will give you a, a ticket that gets you into both or whatever, or we'll run some kind of special. I think that's where marketing has to get really creative with oh, things absolutely. too.
1: Absolutely. Listen, I think, um, you know, the w- one of the things that, ESPN, and and some of the other networks have really feasted on is Saturday night primetime football. And most of those games are in the South because the weather's guaranteed to be pretty good. I think the whole primetime football at night may have to go out the window in this scenario because I think, you know, having Wisconsin host Ohio State at night in February, could be a disaster.
2: Yeah, it just yes. could be.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, look. I mean,
0: it could be a disaster anywhere <laughs> other than Florida, because yeah, you could get snow in Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee. I mean, that that might actually be fun to cover some snow football. I would, on one level, enjoy that. But I'm thinking also of college baseball too. Do you, do you start that back maybe in the mid feb? You know, mid mid-March or something, push that back a month. Uh, of course, then you, you deal with the College World Series, and when does that end? I mean, just the the stream of ramifications from college yeah, football getting pushed to the spring enormous. is just endless. And we're just talking about the three that most people care about. Then you've got women's basketball, which is another story, uh, and I don't know what you do with – what do you do with the fall sports that are the, the um, non-footballs? And I mean, what do you do with those?
1: I suspect you wish them the very best of luck in the future. I mean, look, there is not going to be anything perfect about the solutions. And there are sports that are going to to get the short end of the stick. There's just no way around it. Cincinnati, you know, may have beaten everybody to the punch to just say, well, we're we're far enough down the road to know we can't fund soccer. Well, this is not the last of this. Cincinnati's just the first drop of this. And I think you're going to see a bunch of schools, and
2: in particular, USA,
1: American Athletic, um, because I just don't think they have the kind of resources to fund all this stuff.
0: Yeah, I wonder who could survive this without being severely damaged. Just say that you win a year without sports entirely, which I don't think will happen, but just for argument's sake, I don't know if you'd be left with just a Power Five. I mean, I don't think you would. I think, think somehow they would figure it out, but I do wonder what that looks like for the rest of the world that isn't Power Five football, because they are going to have well, huge revenue bases that they can count on a future to draw from. Those other schools are not.
1: No, and and look, I think I think you're on to something um, as far as who gets hit the most. Um, you know, I think what you've got are a lot of. I'll guarantee you, after the Cincinnati soccer announcement, that there were a lot of soccer coaches over the next 24 hours going, "Oh crap, are we next?" Uh, because they are. Non revenue producing kind of things. Um, you know, I can remember years ago, uh, the term was future revenue, future revenue producing. Well, like how far into the future? Like 2,600? Um, <laughs> right. You know, I, I mean, we're going to have to get realistic here because what's going to happen is that football is absolutely going to come first. Because it you know it floats the battleship. Uh, you know it pays the bills, and until they have football solved and figured out, everything else is secondary. Um, college basketball, I would assume is number two on the list. you know you you could see a scenario where um, where you have almost a triple header in your marketing where you say, okay, um, we'll play, let, let's just take Vandy here. We'll play a noon football game against, I don't know, make up the the opponent here, um, Kentucky. And we will then, when that's over at three, we'll have a, a women's game at 4.30, followed by the men's game at seven. So, come, be a part of this unique triple header, and you know you, you could see some of that kind of stuff, uh because really, they don't have any choice. Here's an idea for you.
0: Let's say that you have the football game with Kentucky, which I guess this year Vanderbilt would go to Kentucky. So pick somebody who will come here this year. Um, Tennessee wouldn't be a great one, but just for example, Tennessee. You say, hey, we have a – we're having a doubleheader. You know, football teams play at, at one and then the basketball teams play at seven. I mean, that way you could – you could probably make up for some of your revenues. You might have some fans that might be traveling from other venues for the doubleheaders. Now, if you're fanable, that just means your stadiums are going to get more overrun than they already are. But from a pragmatic standpoint for the league, I do wonder if it makes sense to have – maybe teams travel together and if you have football and basketball running concurrently you know when, when yeah. Georgia comes to Knoxville or to Nashville to play have the basketball and the football teams travel together and and just do them all that
1: day here's what's likely to happen over the next month the hope is that we're going to get a little more clarity about where all of this is headed pandemic wise You know, the the president has already put out there the the three phases of how, um, you know, how cities and states, you know, get back to opening up. So let's just say that, I don't know, by by Memorial Day weekend that we have a much stronger um, feeling about where it's all going. A guy like Greg Sankey then turns to one of his assistants and says, listen, in a week, I need you to put together a potential schedule that we float to all
2: of the schools.
1: What ultimately is going to have to happen Is that the NCAA or some governing body is going to have to come out with a plan that says, here's what we're going to try to do. We need you in the next week to ten days. Everybody get on the horn with, you know, each other's opponents. Can you do this on this date? Yes. Good check mark. You know, and then announce some sort of a, you know, a schedule that probably includes college basketball and and women's college basketball where you know you take the big three and see if you can cram them all in there together and then by the way that that old excuse about how you couldn't have the ncaa tournament in april because of the masters completely goes out the window you if you're the ncaa you turn to cbs and say look this is how we have to do this And if you don't like it, then we'll put it on TNT or TBS or whatever.
0: We may never get closer to a truth serum for the NCAA than what's about to happen.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Here's some thoughts back to Vanderbilt, okay? Because we talked about the budget (laughs) ramifications, and now the next thing that the school is looking at is evaluating the – various capital projects that they are undertaking next. And I think everything is under evaluation right now. That includes dorms. I think right now they still have to tear down two towers, which was planned this summer. I think I heard last night, I think that's been put on hold. I wouldn't swear by it, but I think that's where that is headed. I just have to think that athletics, whatever its place in this, and the official word from the school Don't shoot the messenger. I'm skeptical as to is the university is still supportive of whatever it is that they're planning to do um, and that they're still planning to go ahead with it. That's as of last week. But I just have to think that in the university's pecking order, it has always pushed sports beyond everything, even when it did not have a really good excuse. And now that it has a great excuse, I don't know why things would be different.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm there
1: with you. Um, I just think we we are in we are in times that we have never seen before. Uh, I think for the first time, when when for instance, when sports leagues put out the statement that everything is is up for consideration, nothing is off the table. For the first time, I really believe that.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right.
0: Let's go to the mailbag, which is sponsored by Mark Gent of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country, at least when they play them and he has planned to do those for several Vanderbilt events. Had some lineup this spring. Those got canceled, but I think Mark will be back at it hopefully next year. Go to Simply a Fan to get more information. Tell him you heard about it on the podcast. This one comes from Chris and Franklin. Uh, Chris asks, George, what do you think will happen with Major League Baseball?
1: Um, first of all, I think their only chance is sort of this model that they've put out there about going to Arizona and, you know, quarantining the players for whatever length of time that they decide to do this. I think minor league baseball is cooked for this year. I think it's a dead pigeon. Uh, I just don't think anybody's saying it. But I- anybody with a brain can sit there and say, well, if this is what it's going to take for the major leagues to play, there's no way that they're going to go to that trouble on the minor league level. Um, I kind of wonder what the players are coming back with is we don't want to sit there in quarantine for four, four and a half months without our players. I mean, without our families. So kind of bear with me on this. I wonder if the 1981 model of the split season makes some sense where you go Something like June the fifteenth to August the first for um, the 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 first segment of the season, and you give the players be with their families so that they can sort of you know um, calm down that argument that guys like Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw put together. And then come back and play another 50 game split season uh, from about August the 15th through the end of September. It could be later when you're out in Arizona. It's possible we're going to get into October and November baseball out there. Uh, That seems to me to be the only chance that they have. And, you know, it's easy for me to say because I want it, Um, I want baseball. Damn near any way you can get it done. Um, but that's the only chance they've got.
0: Yeah, I think they'll figure something out. Um, you know, again, when everything was shut down, the justification, and I think it was a valid one, was you flatten the curve and you don't overwhelm the medical system. So to me, if that's not an issue anymore, and look, There are a lot of complicating factors to this. To me, it makes sense to open up things in small pockets like that that are exceptionally high in terms of producing revenue and exceptionally low in terms of the number of people it involves. And that's why I think if this is reasonably feasible, we'll see baseball.
1: Well, it comes down to a five word statement that we have all heard, which is money talks and. Something else walks. And ultimately, if baseball is going to play in 2020, it will be because money talks. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and with that, I guess we will end the podcast today. George, tell people about your show, where they can find it online, and where they can find you on Twitter.
1: Uh, I am on Twitter at George Plaster TN. Um, My show is on 2 to 4 p.m. on 560 on the AM dial, which is uh, WNSR 95.9 on FM, and perhaps most importantly, on the app at Nash Sports Radio. I would encourage any and all of you to listen. In particular today, uh, former Vanderbilt star Will Perdue is going to join us. The topic is going to be the Bulls documentary Will got interviewed for the documentary. Be interesting to see. He doesn't know whether they use any of his stuff or not, but he's got some some very strong opinions about the things you're seeing right now because he lived through the first you know, the first half, the 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 first three world titles that they won. So he knows better than Dadgum near anybody what really goes on here.
0: George, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Chris, happy to
1: do it. Hope everybody uh, stays uh, safe and healthy and mentally uh, doesn't go crazy.
0: You know, I was overhearing a conversation. My six-year-old son asked my eight-year-old daughter what she thought of Justin Herbert. So I think there might be a little bit too much (laughs) TV watching going on in the Lee house. Right, <laughs> which
1: means they've seen Mel Kuyper's hair.
0: Right, my my son is very very fired up for the draft, and I promised I would let him stay up and watch some of it. So I don't think he yeah I don't think he totally understands what it is, but he's going to learn this week.
1: Be a lot of filler,
0: <laughs> exactly. George, thanks for joining us today. Oh, happy to do it. Take care, Chris. You too. He's George Plaster. I'm Chris Lee, host of the Evandy Sports Podcast. We should have several episodes coming your way later this week.